this is gonna be the best book you ever read. Like, this is your new favorite book. Off the internet, man. I need to go be introverted. <laughs> Welcome to the Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Books and the City. I'm Libby. I'm Becky. I'm Emily. I'm Kayla. And we are four book friends who met on the internet through a book club and became real life friends and started a podcast about books. Yay. <laughs> Which is what you're listening to. And we're finally back in person. I feel like we've been flip flopping and nobody can tell. I don't know. Can you tell? I, 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 I think know. you can tell. I think probably. you can tell. Yeah, we're much quicker with our responses. What if we just mess with everyone and do like Zoom glitches now? Like, oh my oh. god! <laughs> oh, sorry, you go. Oh, Emily's you go. cutting out. <laughs> Are you frozen? <laughs> yes. No, it's actually pretty hot in here. I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah. uh, summer in the city. <laughs> everyone yeah. gave me crap for wearing pants, but they're light jogger pants. Those are cute pants. I Thank think you. it's a sociopath move, honestly. <laughs> Whoa. That's a high accusation for just wearing pants and I'm wearing a tank top. So it's like, you know, like a mullet of summer outfit, like long on the bottom, short on the top. Okay. Well, we gave her crap because it's really hot in here. And before we came to record, this is Kayla's apartment, the um, Books in the City studio, studio. NYC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Kayla was like, we can record here, but it's going to be really hot. And so like me and Libby are like in shorts, t-shirt. Kayla's in shorts, t-shirt. <laughs> I'm in a tank in top. It's not like there's no AC in the living room. Like we're not sitting in a chilly room. Like I'm okay. They're not looking like crazy pants though. No, but she walked yeah. in wearing a, a jacket. denim jacket. Okay. And pants, and she's like, "Hey guys," and we're like, "Are you alive?" <laughs> the first thing I said was like, "Why are you wearing that?" <laughs> That's like a fall outfit. It's wow. just like a habit from the lab because I'm used to dressing for like lab work where you have to cover this is this is a really good segue into this thing that i've been feeling with being back in the office my office is a refrigerator it is like 50 degrees in there i swear yeah i'm always shivering and then i have to walk to the train and it's like 100 degrees yeah but what i do is i just bring my sweater i don't wear it In the heat. I used to leave a leather jacket <laughs> yeah. at my desk and I would wear it in the office all summer. Yeah, I have like a desk blanket that I wrap around oh, me like nice. a grandpa, like a, a lap blanket. I don't, I'm hot all the time, so I don't really relate See, to this. I hate being cold. I actually turned my space heater on the other day. Oh my God, what? Because our AC you? in the office is like, oh, in the oh, office, yeah. uncontrollably. Hot I thought you meant at home. Cold. No, I no, was no. like, I'm scared well, for you. Well, did you guys see all those tweets? So everyone in New York, like a week ago, got an alert to shut their oh my AC God, yeah. off oh, because yeah. it has been so hot in the city. And everyone was like, turn the ac off in these empty offices that are freezing like the apartments do not get anywhere near that cold i saw somebody was like i'll turn my ac off when you turn the lights in the m&m yeah. store in times square uh, <laughs> yeah i Which, saw one true. too it was like they're telling us to conserve energy while times square is lit up like she is yeah <laughs> such a mess uh, yeah so if you're not in new york city and um you don't know what we're talking about it's been really hot is the moral <laughs> of the story but if you're in Seattle or Portland, we're thinking of you. Oh, yeah. That's also really hot. Really hot and not set up for it whatsoever. So 
Yeah. Hey, uh, how are the fish doing in the heat? Oh, no, we have an announcement to make. <laughs> okay. Save those fish. <laughs> we'll Save come back. We'll come back later. and check on them. But Emily has something to say. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> hyper man, Kool-Aid, Mr. Wait. Kool-Aid. <laughs> Who's the Kool-Aid man? It's Mr. Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid man. Guy. Okay. It was a voice like. It's a picture. I don't know why my brain just uh. thought about the Kool-Aid man. But um, that has nothing to do with anything. I have an announcement about the Patreon book club for Son of Achilles. We're going to be hosting the Zoom book club meeting on Patreon on July 25th. Um, so that'll be next Sunday if you're listening today. And uh, check it out. I hope you will come chat with me about the book. I want to hear if you cried. Ooh. So it's quite the tease. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about the book club, you can go to our website, booksinthecitypod.com. And we will soon be announcing changes to our fan club. So stay tuned for that. But if you want to get in on this book club, head over to booksinthecitypod.com for more info. Yep. Okay. Now the fish. How are they? They're great. Hopefully they're just, their water's not boiling. They're swimming. They're always Keeping cool. perfectly content. I said it once, I'll say it again. Okay, I'm not I'll abusing stop. the fish. I'll stop asking. You just put me on defense doing. today with my outfit and <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, we're coming for fish. Yeah, so the fish want to know, what's the weirdest recurring dream you have? Hmm. Do you guys I'm- get recurring dreams? <laughs> no. I don't have recurring dreams, but... I dream very, very vividly, and if I watched or read something before bed, it usually appears in my dream, but I wake up in the middle of the night multiple times a week, like, where am I? And I have to, like, Ooh. put, I think I see things in my in room, and I'll literally, like, put my flashlight on, and I have to, like, see my room in the light and be like, oh, I'm, like, here. Oh, my God. And then I, I go was going to say, I have a feeling this is going to be kind of bleak answers because my I get uh, sleep paralysis. Oh, my God. So, th- the worst. so that's my recurring dream. I used to get one where I was like walking down a street and I haven't had this dream in a while, but where I was walking down a street and every time I got to like a light post where I was like, <laughs> oh, I'll be illuminated, like the light would go off. And so I keep trying to go to the next one and then the light would go off and Whoa. I would get that like a lot when I was like in high school that's scary as shit and then it was that that kind of dream where like when you try to start to run it's like you're in like jello or something and like you're running but your legs aren't moving fast enough oh no you get that in your sleep paralysis no 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 that's just a dream I had but my sleep paralysis is like you think you're awake I think I'm awake I don't want to describe. It's really dark and scary. I get really yeah, getting about stressed. This before, and I don't want to hear I about it again. I haven't had it in so long. Like knock on wood. Well, Kayla visits other dimensions, so <laughs> you what? just wake up and you're in another universe. You're like, where am I? I'll see. Like it happened to me the other night. And I have this poster um, high up in my room, so I can see it from my bed. And it's like a Warhol print of Queen Elizabeth, but like with Bowie makeup. And I like was looking at it, but it looked like this like scary thing, and I was like what is that and then I don't know if I was actually awake or not but then I like had to put my flashlight on I was like oh like Queen Elizabeth is fine <laughs> it's just like my she's just, she's just dressed like Bowie right yeah now. and it's I had to like put the flashlight around my room and be like okay I'm here like everything is normal it's not always scary but it's just like 
I don't know. Yeah, maybe I am in another dimension. I'm in like the realms from Gemma Doyle. Yes. <laughs> I wish. I don't know that I've ever had a recurring dream, but I keep a dream note Ooh. like on my phone that I try and write down like a dream right when I wake up if I remember. But usually it means I'm like half asleep and they're very funny to reread and I'm not going to read. Tell us all your dreams, Libby. Better yet, tell the whole internet. This. Okay, well, a snippet from a dream that I had on July 4th, 2019. Wow. Uh, it was really hot outside and I went to brunch with friends who doesn't, I shouldn't say their names. And I had Dennis with me and I went to a bar after the old lady brought back a drink only for my friend. But it was really crowded and I was ordering a milk stout and they gave me a cup of milk. Oh my God. <laughs> and there's like more. But How dare they? <laughs> but I'm like, usually when I do these, it's like a voice to text things. <laughs> and I'm happy. That's so classic, and Libby. So the typos show up and it's very. That's funny interesting yeah wow i don't really remember my dreams i think i'm just like un like i when you hear the word pass out i pass out like while my mom was staying with me she's like you just conk out and then you don't wake up for seven hours it's like i black out and but i do have a recurring dream that happened to me when it's a halloween themed dream because when i was little and i saw hocus pocus you know the how there's the scene where like Sarah Jessica Parker is like flying on a broom over the town, like singing to them. And then the opening shot is like the viewpoint of you on the broom. I think my baby brain just like put me there. So every Halloween I have like a recurring on Halloween. It happens on Halloween. Or like in the Halloween season oh, wow. where I'm like, but it's like. It used to scare me because it felt like I was being pursued by like witches or something. And if I like touched the ground, then they would get me or something. I was going to say, if you have that dream every year on Halloween when the gates are opened, you know, maybe you maybe you're a witch. I hope so. I've been uh, waiting. Do you rewatch that movie every October? Like, is it not every October? No. I mean, like, it's like all over like Instagram though. Maybe it's just like re-entering your subconscious. Yeah, but this was before the internet. But when you were watching it, yeah, maybe your entire life, every fall, you have a dream like this. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. That's weird. Sometimes the one on the vacuum gets like the closest to me. Oh my gosh. But uh, oh my god, am I a witch? I would love that. But I only think you're on a Halloween. Witch. Oh, I hope so. Watch out, world. <laughs> I, I knew I was are. burned at the stake. <laughs> I, you or Becky would be the most likely to be witches out of the pod. I'm working on it. No, just kidding. <laughs> Becky's like reading. Work. I signed up for a class. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Potions. Well, that was fascinating and yeah. kind of dark. A peek yeah. into our psyches. <laughs> I love, uh, people act like hearing about dreams are boring, but I'm obsessed no, I love with it. hearing people's dreams. Oh, right. I have some crazy ones sometimes. They're so fun. I Here's one that scared me as a kid, but looking back, it's like absolutely the funniest thing ever. But I had this dream and it made me afraid of Greyhounds, the dog, Aww. because in the dream, it's so bizarre. I don't even know if I can explain it. But in the dream, I like went into my basement in this house that we used to live in. And there was this mixture between a greyhound dog and a duck. It had like <laughs> a duck bill and it was like trying to bite me. And I remember being terrified running up the stairs to find my parents just to find that they were hosting a wedding for my grandfather who was in a wedding dress. Wow. Oh my God, I love that. And I was like, I woke up. 
and cried for like days and couldn't get near a greyhound dog because I was horrified by the fact that it tried to bite me with a duck bill and I was so awkward around my grandpa because I (laughs) was thinking about him in a wedding dress (laughs) that's sad because greyhounds are like gentle giant dogs I mean I like them now but at the time it was like but I remember as a kid waking up and being like that was terrifying and so scary and looking back I'm like really yeah (laughs) like there was nothing really that scary that reminds me I have dreams a lot where like my mom has them way more than me but like family members that have like passed away are like in my dreams and my family is like so inside like oh like like my mom would be like oh and Carrie Ann visited me last night or whatever like oh I have those dreams a lot I didn't see my pop-up in a wedding dress that reminded me (laughs) (laughs) I see my pop-up in my dreams he was also like pregnant too so it was upsetting Wow. What vibes were your grandpa giving off? No, I don't know what that was. What's going on in your mind? (laughs) I have no idea. But what you said reminds me of um, Dorinda from... the oh, real housewives when she, when there's like a balloon and mm-hmm. she's like hi Richard yeah my family's so that. into that like signs from the afterlife we should hmm. go to a medium for an episode <laughs> oh my god now we got three witches on the pod <laughs> Livy's like I don't want to be a witch I'm no, so excited you. for Halloween I saw a TikTok that was like happy already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like happy Halloween. (laughs) What is July if it is not the 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 precursor to August, which is just the the precursor to September, which is almost October. I did have a fantasy about like I you know, people dream of like beach dates and recently on one of the really hot days I was like, Can't wait for fucking fall, man. And just can't wait for the leaves to change for everything to get like No, we are just getting into the summer season okay here's here's my philosophy and then i think we should talk about books (laughs) but i fall is my favorite season i love fall it's cozy it's the perfect temperature nothing better than curling up with a book in the fall and like a nice cup of tea love it but i do really enjoy all the other seasons for what they are so i'm trying to live in the moment and not wish days away because pretty soon we're gonna look back and be like oh yeah. man summer of 2021 ended mm-hmm. like four years ago yeah or like was... wow there are no seasons yeah. yeah this beach like i've been spending more time on the beaches i literally haven't been to a beach in the city like the whole time i've lived here until this weekend and i was like damn i should come to the beaches like more often yeah i should just mm-hmm. sit on some sand like that's touch my some plan. sand the ocean, the ocean so good yeah. that's my plan for the rest of the summer so i'll hit you up Mm-hmm. Should we talk about books? I think yes. so, yeah. From beaches to books. Can I go first? <laughs> yes. Is it a beach read? Uh, I'm kidding. Every read is a beach I read. I would say yes, you could read this on the beach. So I'm talking about Honey Girl by Morgan Rogers. Whoa. Oh, I did read this on the beach. Which, yeah, and it's short. Like, I feel like it's a nice compact. Could do it in a day, maybe. Um, It came out in February 2021. And you may remember... If you're a longtime listener for the past month, this was the (laughs) fan club book club pick for June. So like extra shout out to the fans who joined that book club talk. It was super fun. And I hope you all had fun talking about this one. Okay, but so before I talk about the book, just a quick content warning. I'm not going to get too much into this, but if you're going to pick this one up, just know that there is some like racism and microaggressions and also allusions to self-harm kind of like pretty mild but something to keep in mind 
Okay, so this book is about a girl named Grace Porter. It jumps right in and Grace is waking up super hungover in a hotel room in Las Vegas. And it's evident pretty quickly that this is really like not the norm for Grace. She's like a very grounded, hardworking, nose to the ground kind of person. But she wakes up, she has weird like hazy memories from the night before of a beautiful girl but it isn't until she finds a note in her hotel room that confirms these like hungover flashbacks that she's having that she thought maybe were like a dream, but they were not. And she did in fact get married to a stranger in Las Vegas the night before in a drunken haze. Um, How fun. (laughs) So fun. (laughs) And also, so I feel like that sounds like a really lighthearted, like rom-com-y kind of tropey, book but this book is like very much not like that which we talked about a little in the book club discussion when grace realizes this she's extremely stressed and she's spiraling and i kind of liked how this all like unfolded because it starts and you're like cute fun wow and then you realize like no this is not not cute or fun at all for anyone so she lives in portland and she heads back to Portland with her two roommates who were in Vegas with her, and they're also her best friends. Um, their names are Agnes and Jimena. And it takes some time, even after she's like back home, for her to admit to her friends what she's done. Like she, it's she's really like spiraling about this wild, impulsive decision that she made in Las Vegas. So this is kind of when we learn that Grace has spent the past several years of her life as an astronomy PhD student and she had recently graduated like just before this book starts and she had a what sounds like a pretty traumatizing job interview experience um, after she graduated which is sort of when all of her like stress and spiraling began Uh, during that interview she ended up like fleeing the room it was an all-white mostly male like group of colleagues who were interviewing her and there were just microaggressions and like this lack of um, community or like shared background so that part of the book felt kind of like the ultimate like millennial uh, book in a way like Grace is super overqualified she's like also at the same time filled with crippling self-doubt because she's leaving this program that provided like so much structure and like maybe too much structure to her life and now she's just sort of like in this free fall and she's like what if I yeah Emily me in the feels oh god so it's kind of this like I feel like that's a pretty common you know not necessarily in this field but I think that's a somewhat sadly common like millennial experience but then add to all that, all of that, the fact that Grace is black and then she's also the daughter of a military man who's like really a military man. Like she calls him the colonel instead of dad. Like mm. he's a very... Uh, like Cadet Kelly. Yeah, it's a very like stereotypical portrayal of like a very rigid military person. So... You know, she's trying to like break into this field where really nobody looks like her. Nobody really shares her experiences. And it's just like a lot and it's hitting her all at once. So that results in this wild whirlwind weekend in Vegas where she marries a stranger. So mentioning the stranger, insert Yuki. That is her 
wife who she's met once drunk in vegas she yuki left a business card with the note for grace and it had information about a supernatural radio show that she hosts in new york so grace tunes in yeah it's um the premise of the show is pretty cool it's like yuki in each show explores like different monsters and connects it to like a broader like sense of loneliness within the monsters but also just like the world she's very much like a storyteller um which was cool that it's a radio show and not a podcast yeah yeah i know almost like the x talk but not um (laughs) i feel like you just hated on podcasts on a podcast no, I just feel like it's different. I thought it was different. interesting because I read it and I was like, oh, you know, you don't really hear about like radio shows anymore. Yeah, right. Usually yeah. it yeah. is about a the podcast. Radio. I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Grace tunes in and then kind of just decides like, fuck it. She's going to meet her wife in New York. And she goes to New York. And that's kind of all I'm going to say. I Plot wise, I you know, as you can probably imagine, there's a lot of like unpacking <laughs> some of her issues or stresses and fears while she's in New York, but also a little bit of like running away from her problem and like taking a well-deserved break because she's been in school for like a decade and, you know, like hasn't had something like that in a long time. I really enjoyed this book. I also didn't even really get into it, but the, you know, I, I mean, in like queer stories, I feel like the found family element is huge and that is really really strong in this book like her two roommates are just like they are her family she has some co-workers in Portland too uh, where she works at like a tea shop and they're her family and everyone like she has all these like fiercely loyal loving people in her life which was really beautiful to read about and offered like some really nice support as she was like figuring all of this kind of heavier stuff out And then one other thing I wanted to mention, which I didn't really get into, but something I was obsessed with in this book, and I've never read this in a book before. So if you've read this in a book, let me know. But there's a fairly large portion later in the book devoted to Grace trying to find a therapist, which I had never read, but it was relatable. But it's so like she met with a few different ones and there it wasn't a match. And she's like, you know, parsing through these like therapists and I was like I feel I mean when people are going to find their first therapist I feel like there's this sense of like it's almost the scariest part of going to yes it's so overwhelming and it's this feeling of like oh this isn't a perfect match but I don't know right like doesn't it just come with time and it's this whole thing and I loved seeing that in a book so much and I can imagine that's like I don't know I hope that just kind of becomes more appearing in books because I was obsessed with it and I was like you know I don't know just her figuring out like what was going to work with her what wasn't going to work finding a good fit why you know she needed like this this and this instead of this and how it wasn't really anyone's fault and it just like really laid that out in a cool way that I hadn't seen but um yeah I really liked it so much I loved the found family and the one thing I would say is it's not just like if you're going to pick it up don't let the married to a stranger in Vegas trope get you down the path of like this is a fun rom-com and it's romance because I feel like the romance element almost wasn't centered in the story Mm -hmm. 
and it really worked for me but I could see that kind of being like off-putting if you think you're getting one thing and getting something a lot heavier but ultimately like still really beautiful and yeah I gave it five stars nice yeah um I felt like I forgot about the romance part of it because I got so into Grace's story mm -hmm. and then I was like wait wasn't this supposed to be like something different like I thought I was getting into something different oh right and it took me until I finished to be like that that wasn't what I thought I was gonna read it's wild yeah because the the eloping not even eloping meeting a stranger and marrying them thing you would think that's like the central plot point but yeah it's just I would say it's just so much more about Grace like finding her place in the world and kind of (laughs) living without structure for the first time in a long time um, which again, I think a lot of millennials really overqualified in a lot of debt, unhappy. <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah, it might be too real for some uh, people at certain Emily stages in their like, lives. People exiting graduate in school? their grad school program Emily's as we face, speak. She like created a new like existential. Is that the word? Existential. 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 <laughs> oh my god. That word dread emoji was the face that emily just made i don't know if there is one but she made it wow um i didn't know any of that because um i didn't get to finish it before i was due to the library and i have to wait 19 weeks for it but i will listen that's a long time i do really want to read that i found out i'm going to vegas in february to see shania twain oh my god i'm so excited and maybe i'll just save it you'll get married no (laughs) maybe i'll save it till february 2022 and read it like on the plane get married Uh, (laughs) um, i'm good okay but yeah did i say it was that was honey girl um by morgan rogers becky what did you read so I read The Chosen and the Beautiful by Nevo, and I loved it. <laughs> um, I could probably sum this whole thing up by saying that this is literally The Great Gatsby, but better. And you guys here in the room know that I love The Great Gatsby because I'm, you know, basic. You love I think 20s. everyone knows that you love The 20s. The 20s. Yeah, so... When I, this is actually our personal book club pick for the month and I wanted to suggest it and somebody else did. And I was like, well, I'll just vote for that because I definitely want to read it. And it did not let me down. So there are are some content warnings of some racism and violence regarding racism. So I don't want to call it a retelling per se, because I would say it's more of a reimagining than it is a retelling. Because I feel like retellings are like, the character names are the same and then like the story is loosely the same but it's like a completely different story. This is li- it this is literally the Great Gatsby but told from the perspective of Jordan Baker. And it's told in her perspective and you get more of her side of the story and things that happen behind the scenes of the same story that you know so well. So like for example that famous line Gatsby what Gatsby like that scene takes place in this book and like the scene in in the hotel room at the plaza where they're trying to escape the heat that scene happens but it takes place from the perspective of Jordan Baker so all of those characters like I said from the book are in the book and it's all from Jordan's perspective and in this version of the story Jordan is adopted from Vietnam and she's bisexual and kind of the whole world in general and her 
have magical abilities. There's like a magical element. Um, some of the magical things in this book is like Jordan can like cut paper into these like things, whatever it is. It's a, if it's a lion or a person or whatever, it comes to life. And it's like this really realistic thing. Like there's a scene I don't even want to fully say because I don't want to give it away. But basically she cuts. I won't say why, but she like cuts a paper version of Daisy and that version of Daisy you wouldn't know isn't actually Daisy. Whoa. But it but made of paper. She makes a paper clone of Daisy. Yeah. Ahead of her time. Yeah. So they also they just exist forever. uh, Yeah, until somebody does something about it. (laughs) Whoa. It's really interesting. Those elements were so fun for me, so I don't want to go too far into like more of the things that happen magically. Wait, do people know she can do this? Um, yes. But it has to do with like her culture, her Vietnamese culture that Mm. she's like kind of she's very removed from it because she was adopted like um, Mrs. Baker. I forget her name, but like the her mother adopts her from Vietnam in this time. That's like there's like kind of an uprising in Vietnam. And she only all she knows is like vague memories of where she's from and that Mrs. Baker says, oh, I just had to take you. I just had to bring you home. I couldn't leave you there. So it's like very wishy-washy about like how she was brought to America and to the life that she knows. But she's like has these memories of like somebody cutting paper and making this magical thing come to life. And so she's able to do it as well. And there are other people in the book that she meets later on that can also do this and that are also Vietnamese and they have a big part of her story. But I'm not going to get too much into that because I feel like it was like. I feel like it's spoilery. So another magical element they have is this drink called demoniac. And if you've read this book, you are not going to forget the fact that they drink this demoniac because it is mentioned so many times. Like, I think if you counted, it's probably used more than the word like and or the like so much. Old sport. Is it more than old sport? I feel like that this is this is yes, it's definitely more than old sport. But I feel like this is this author's version of old sport demoniac. And demoniac is literally demon's blood that they add to their drinks for an extra little something something and i missed the part where they explained what demoniac was and so i'm like what the heck is demoniac they keep (laughs) mentioning it can i buy that at the store yeah i was like should i explain it it though what did they explain it i'm not sure if they did i don't think they did i ended up googling and reading an npr review that mentioned that it was demon's blood and i was like i must have missed it because that's like super specific for one to just like conclude on their own so I feel like they explained it and it was so like quick that I missed it but yeah demoniac they mention it all the time they're always drinking demoniac and that is like I said one of the magical elements I loved that they mixed the dreamy 1920s flapper era with magical realism like you sold me with it Okay, so like I said, the story follows Jordan and gives her perspective on the things that happen and all of those scenes that you know. It's definitely centered on Jordan and you follow her when she's not hanging out with Daisy and you also follow her while she's hanging out with Daisy and you see how she's trying to struggle to fit into the world as a Vietnamese woman who doesn't have more than like vague memories of her culture, especially in this time. In this time in the book, there is this like law trying to be passed that basically will like make it so that they can legally kick out Asian people from the country or the city I I think it was the country and she's like not concerned because she's grown up around all of these like rich white people and she feels very rich and white 
but she's also aware that people look at her differently. And so she's kind of dealing with that and, and dealing with, you know, where, where her place is in the world. And people are like, aren't you worried about this law? And she's like, well, oh, why would I be? I'm not from Vietnam because she like feels like she's from where she was adopted to um, in America. And then another member of the Daisy Gatsby set that you know and you get a different perspective on is Nick and Gatsby. And they're not the center of the story like really at all. Like I said, everything you know about the great Gatsby happens alongside Jordan's story. So like it's almost like the grounding like plot line, but then like you have all of Jordan's stuff. So you learn more about Gatsby and Nick and kind of surprising elements related to them. Um, Are that they I can't for each other. I can't say because of spoilers. <laughs> um, I feel like this was all over the place and like really vague. It's hard to talk about a story like this because like you know what happens, but you don't, and that's all I kind of want to say. It is the Great Gatsby. It's better. It's magical. It's more fun. It's gay. It's I don't know. It's interesting. So, quick question: yeah. If you haven't read or don't remember the plot of the Great Gatsby, will you be confused yes. when you read this? That's why I DNF'd it. Oh, I don't oh. know if you want to leave this in though. So I really struggled because I haven't read Gatsby since high school, and I was like, "Who is Jordan? Did I know her?" Like, oh. I felt like you were kind of like thrown into Gatsby. That's interesting. I think if you watch the movie and then pick up this book, you'll be fine. Um, she kind of tells the story with the basic plot points from The Great Gatsby that are the the main ones. Like I wouldn't say all of the extra details that happen in the story of The Great Gatsby are like super important. The main things like, you know, the billboard with the eyes that comes into play, uh, like the car crash. Uh, like yeah. all of those main events are in this book. I know the story very very well and have read it multiple times so I can't answer that but but I also think I would have had a different experience if I'd like listened to everything you just said because I thought I was going into like a reimagining like oh they're gonna be named this but it's gonna be completely different and I literally was like what like I'm right back in Gatsby which is cool I just yeah so Jordan, I just didn't, I didn't Jordan Baker that. is Daisy's like friend, right? And she yeah. golfs. That's all I remember. Yeah, or tennis. Tennis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She does both. Okay. She's like she's athletic. the one. If you've seen the movie, when she's like, "I love big parties. They're so intimate." Yeah. That small. You remember that part? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did a really um, good job quoting it. Yeah, I think if you feel like you need a brush up on The Great Gatsby before you read this. Watch the movie and you'll be fine. The Leo one or like the fade down away one? Well, I really like Leo, so mm. <laughs> I would say I liked that, that movie. And that, the music is really good. So Kayla, like you were saying, like not going into it thinking it was a retelling, not a reimagining. Something that I think is really exciting about the Great Gatsby, which we're seeing now, is that it the copyright is gone, so now authors can do this and completely oh. tell the story with a different perspective, almost like better fan fiction i was just gonna say i don't mean to use the word fan fiction in a bad way right but i it felt like a gatsby fan fiction and there are amazing fan fiction works out there so i was like oh wow this is like a really well done fanfic sorry circling back to the copyright is that is that part of it is that you can't like use the characters without the yeah but now it's lifted it's been 75 years since his death so this year yeah, oh. so he so there's Great another book that came out called Nick that is another right. thing like this, which I have to get to, and I'm sure there's more that they I don't did know like about. a beautiful like graphic novel 
yeah. of Gatsby. Yeah. It's like fifty dollars. Yeah, there's oh. a lot of books that are gonna probably I be didn't coming realize out. Like that's this. why. Yeah, so it's exciting. As I go to the twenties again. So everything that happens before <laughs> under the copyright had to be an adaptation or something. So you had to clear it. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, or yeah, you just had to like buy rights. Mm, okay. So we're probably going to see a lot more books like this come out. And this one was so good. If you like magical realism, if you are a big Gatsby fan, if you like the 20s, if you want to hear more about different speakeasies all around New York City that people might have gone to. Where can I get this demon's blood? If you want to drink demon's blood. (laughs) And this got me really excited for the Jazz Age lawn party in New York. And I like absolutely spiraled about what I'm going to wear to that after reading this book. And it's a five star read. What's it called again? This is called The Chosen and the Beautiful by Nevo. And I even while reading it was like, oh, I'm reading The Beautiful and the Chosen. The Beautiful (laughs) and the the Chosen. I don't know. It's The Chosen and the Beautiful by Nevo. (laughs) Emily, what did you read? Okay, so something in a similar vein because it's like a retelling. No, I don't know. So you were confusing me with your retelling versus reimagining. And I was like, which one does mine fit into? (laughs) I think it's just its own thing. It's called Gods of Jade and Shadow by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia who is an author we've spoken about on the podcast before because she recently came out with Mexican Gothic. And Kayla covered it, right? Yeah, last summer. Um, And then this one came out, I think, the summer before in 2019. Um, And I I don't know. We were discussing this off the podcast earlier, but I think it's a different vibe from that. It's its own, like, storyline. And I'll just get into it. Um, But before I do, you should know that it's... Got a lot of Mayan culture in it, which I found to be super cool. I learned a lot. Um, But there is a lot of like ritual sacrifice discussed because that's part of the worship. Um, So if you're a little bit squeamish, maybe don't pick it up. But I didn't find that it was distracting. It like it helped tell the story, in my opinion. Um, Okay, so we have. (laughs) Anyways, there's blood. (laughs) Moving on. Demon's blood? Um, human blood and demon's blood oh, and animal wow. blood. This is such a spooky episode for it's the middle of July. Uh, I will say, though, when I was, like, thinking abstractly about the type of sacrifices that the Mayan gods demanded, I was like, I like magic that's kind of, your, your blood is, like, the most precious thing you have to offer, and especially if you're in ancient culture like that, like, that is the most precious thing you have. So that would be the highest thing that you could, like, in the traditional sense of the word sacrifice, that is, like, the most, like, giving thing that you could be as a human to, like, an immortal. Anyways, that's off topic. Our girl is called Cassiopeia, and she lives with her family in, like, a small town in Mexico called Ucumil, and um, her family is, like, a wealthy they're the type of family that everyone in town knows who they are and they're important but because her mother married um her father and he wasn't as well off the grandfather like the patriarch of the family decided to kind of disown them and Cassiopeia and her mother have to be servants in this like house she really wants to escape kind of her living situation her family in their big like family estate home has the grandfather and he's not like the best man he's kind of an intense patriarch and he has very like concrete thoughts about women and men and servants and respect and just really outdated perceptions of like 
service and bloodline. And she also has this cousin named Martine who's like really mean to her and abusive and they kind of boss her around. So the beginning of the story feels a little bit like Cinderella and she even makes the own comparison to herself about, you know, these family members who are bossing you around and you have to clean up after them and she's dreaming of a different world. It's set in the 1920s and she is... Right? Where? The in 20s? the 1920s. And she's kind of, even in her small town, they're seeing the flapper images and there was a bit of luxury at this time and just like going out and driving a car and she keeps a little hidden locket of all the things that she wants to do and the person she wants to be. She doesn't have a lot of agency at home and she kind of screws up around housekeeping stuff and her whole family is like, we're going to go on this one vacation that we take every year but you can't come because you screwed up and she was feeling like annoyed by it so she wanders into her grandfather's room where he keeps this secret chest so the key is usually with him it's always hidden under his shirt or something and she's never been allowed to touch it so as a kind of rebellion for them abandoning her she finds either the key or she cracks open the chest and she's like, I'm going to look inside since no one's around to boss me around and, you know, tell me not to look in this one forbidden item that's been in the family for generations. On her way into breaking into the secret box, she kind of pricks her finger and accidentally resuscitates a Mayan god of death called Hun Kame. Whoa. Whoa. And um, what happened was he, he kind of, revitalizes and she's like what the hell and um she notices that he's missing parts and i read this a little bit ago so i can't remember which parts nothing scandalous just like an eye (laughs) or an eye or an ear and i think a hand so there's like three items missing from him and because he has parts of him missing he can't return to um the shadow world that he's from called zibalba which is like the Mayan tradition of the underworld that's like the place where death abounds so he's this god of death and her blood was used as like a sacrifice to keep him going so they're bound together and um he tells Cassiopeia that you need to help restore me to my underworld and um, it turns out that we we understand what who put Hunkame in the box to begin with, and that's his um, brother, Vakub Kame, because our guy in the box was the lord of the underworld. He was like the king, and his twin brother was like the the heir, like the spare heir. So he kind of does a hostile takeover, and using the help of earthbound demons and other mythical figures. They've trapped all these pieces of um, Hunkame all over Mexico and southern um, U.S. And uh, Cassiopeia and Hunkame have to go on an adventure to restore him back to the underworld. And it's so fun. It's like an adventure story where your heroine does have a lot of agency. Like she starts out as kind of the Cinderella figure in the classical sense where she's dreaming of a better life. She's very kind and kind of is abused by her family and you know she has a spot of romance but she doesn't just kind of sit down like Cinderella in the 
Disney tradition does. She's very active and sassy and the cultural idea of femininity, she doesn't ascribe to that. And it's very like important for as a woman to be very like submissive to your your any male, essentially. And part of what makes her stick out is she's not submissive and she's very active in her in her life. So that was one aspect of it I really enjoyed. And the overall like mixture of the Mayan mythology, I went in knowing very little about Mayan mythology, but I learned so much about the history of kind of the sacrifice, the geographical location of where like the Mayan empire was and some of the places where people were traditionally sacrificed are these like beautiful things called C-notes. There's a great glossary in the back that's pretty accurate, I think, to some of the traditions where they walk you through some of the terminology. I learned so much. And at the end of this book, I was like, truly, I believe in my heart that if any gods walk the earth, they were the Mayan gods. (laughs) Like, I believe they are real and have wandered, you know, this terrain. Hunkame for life. Um, (laughs) But I also really like that it married the tradition of the indigenous Mayan past with the 1920s contemporary Mexico. Um, At that time, there were some rebellions, some like shuffling of society. And um, I learned a lot about that. And just like the ambiance of the golden age of jazz, like all the art deco buildings and the way that um, the gods lived was in a like 20s styling and lots of velvet or like specific type of bake light furniture. So you got like the fun mythology of the past married with like, you know, her contemporaneous um, present day. And it's just a great like overall story in the traditional sense of like there's romance and villainy and battle for right and wrong and there's quests and like the resolution felt really true to how the logic of the world building was so I just really loved the story tradition it's right up my alley it is like a mythology retelling but it felt very exciting like I couldn't put it down and I'm not gonna spoil like who falls in love with who or anything but the romance was like I shipped it so hard. I sent that thing to like England, you know. <laughs> so I was like, "What are you getting at? You sent it? What?" <laughs> <laughs> I I shipped the romance, as the children say. So yeah, I really liked it. It's called "The Gods of Jane and Shadow" by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. How many stars? I gave them five stars. Nice. That sounds so good. Five of them. It's been on my shelf for a really long. I time. I think you'd like it, Becky. Uh, Kayla, what'd you read? Okay, I read The Stranger in the Mirror by Liv Constantine. Thank you to Harper for sending this to me. Just a quick content warning. I am not going to talk about this, but it's mentioned frequently in the book that there is a pretty gruesome suicide attempt. Quick backstory. So Liv Constantine is a pen name for two sisters that write together. Their debut was The Last Mrs. Parrish, which is one of my favorite thrillers ever. It was like one of the first that I read and blew my mind and like opened me up to the whole genre so it'll always have like a special place in my heart but I did not like the two books that followed and I almost didn't pick this one up but then I saw people that I trust on bookstagram saying they loved it so I gave it a go and I was not disappointed 
Okay, so this book is told from three different perspectives and it opens up with Addison. She's like the main girl and you're at her engagement party and it's kind of like very vague. Like she mentions having no family and there's like um, this couple that they're like parent figures to her and she's like, I don't have like a bridesmaid to like give a toast about me and our whole life together. So you're like, you know, something's up. Then she drops the bomb that she... All she remembers of her whole life are the last two years. Like, she doesn't remember her name, who she is, where she came from, family. She's like, I wonder if I have, like, parents out there, like, that are looking for me. Like, she has absolutely no clue who she is. So you find out that she, two years ago, was found on the side of a highway in New Jersey, bloody and disoriented, and this older guy named Ed who is like a truck driver stops and you find out that he's like there's like a whole truckers against like sex trafficking thing so he's like a good person that like saw it and saved her so he like picks her up and she's like I don't want to go to the hospital and he's like I'm heading home to Philadelphia so she goes with him she has no idea where she's really from he brings Addison home and like his wife is like we have to get you to the hospital whatever so she's diagnosed with amnesia she like I said, remembers literally nothing. She ends up moving in with Ed and Gigi in Philly now, and they kind of like adopt her. There's a bit of like backstory with them. Like they lost their daughter, so they're kind of like taking her in. She starts going by the name Addison because she like needed a name. She didn't know her name. And she's kind of like trying to relearn who she is, has to like figure out what she likes. She realizes she is a talented photographer and she's really into art. So she starts working at this photography store. One day, this cute guy comes in. They hit it off. His name is Gabriel and he's from a very, very old, wealthy Philadelphia family. Obviously, they fall in love. They're engaged. So that's her engagement party you're at in the beginning. Oh. So the second perspective is from Gabriel's mom, Blythe, and she likes Addison, but she doesn't like how trusting Gabriel is with someone who literally has no past. And I think she's like, she. it didn't seem crazy to me that she was being like the meddling mother-in-law or something. She was like, what's going on here? Like, who is this person? She's worried that she could like potentially be after like the family's money and stuff. So she hires a private detective to start looking into who Addison really is. The third point of view, all of a sudden you switch to this guy, Julian. He's a doctor and single father ever since his wife, Cassandra, disappeared. And he hasn't stopped searching for her since she went missing two years before. So all of a sudden, like literally right in the beginning, you realize, okay, Addison is really Cassandra. And like she had a family and stuff like she doesn't remember. So a conference brings Julian to Philly and he's walking past this gallery and he sees there's going to be this this new photography exhibit and there's a photo of the photographer and he's like that's Cassandra but she's going by Addison and that's all I'm going to say because <gasps> I can't say anything else without giving giving anything away this is the perfect Kayla Beach read it is so fast when I got to it's only 300 pages and I got to page 200 and something happens and I was like Literally, my eyes were closing as I was reading, but I was like, I can't go to bed. Like, oh my I God. need to know what's going to come next. Um, super, super interesting look into, like, memory and amnesia. And, like, that theme reminded me a little bit of um, Behind the Red Door, which I covered last summer where, like, the girl forgot she was kidnapped. But 
yeah, really interesting. The, I do want to say, though, so I gave this four stars, and what held it back from five with me was, like, all of their books are slightly unrealistic, where it borders on being, like, dumb. <laughs> and, like, I don't mean that in a bad way, because I love reading them, obviously, and, like, I love this book, but you're, like, this is, like, this would never happen, things that happened in this book. So, like, I mean, like, stretches the bounds of, like, like logic. Takes you out of it. Yeah. And yeah. it did, like, I feel like I used to read thrillers so much and be like, oh, whatever. But, like, I don't know if it's I read so many now that I was just like, this is stupid. But at the same time, it was so compulsive and, like, so interesting that I couldn't stop reading it. But it it's had to, like, I had to, like, snap myself back into the book and be like, whatever, it, this is a crazy world, like, beyond yeah. reality. Yeah. Like, Suspend um, your disbelief or whatever yeah. the saying is this one wasn't as dumb as like the last two where I think that's why I really didn't like them because they were just like what is this but it was just so interesting like from the second I started I was like who is Addison like what happened to her because like you don't find out what happened for like a bit into it. it's like I could not stop reading um yeah it was very good I'm and I'm happy that I didn't let their last two books influence this one Mm. and I picked it up again so wow that was The Stranger in the Mirror by Liv Constantine that sounds really good it's wild like I need one of you to read it so we could talk about what happens because <laughs> it was just like crazy I love that what's on your TBR um like five million bucks but <laughs> specifically The American Heiress by Daisy Goodwin I don't know if I've said that one before Emily so I want to read one of uh, Silvia Moreno Garcia's other books. I mean, I want to read like all of her books, but uh, she has one called uh, Certain Dark Things, which is set in Mexico City and it's about like vampires. So that's appealing to me right now. Uh, what about you, Becky? Okay, so on my TBR is The Happiest Girl in the World by Elena Dillon and I'm excited about this because it's kind of about the Olympics and gymnastics and that's starting soon so it'll be fun to read at the same time as the games. Libby what's on your TBR? I want to read Detransition Baby by Tori Peters. Nice. And my Instagram if anyone was wondering <laughs> is Sleep Run Read Repeat. I'm at the Lazy Library. I'm at Becky in the Bookshelves. I'm at KRedWatt, and you can find all of us at Books in the City Pod. Make sure you're tagging us and using our hashtag, MyBooksInTheCity. Follow us on Twitter at BATCPod, like our Facebook page, Books in the City Pod, maybe podcast. Head to our website, BooksInTheCityPod.com, for literally everything, merch, database of all the books we've talked about, join the fan club or book club. If you're still here, oh, yeah. leave us a comment with, I don't know, a spooky emoji. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what? No, it's summer. I no. know, but we talk about dreams and two leave spooky us a books. Beach. Three. Your favorite beach I said mine was a beach emoji. <laughs> yeah. Okay, leave us a, any sort of emoji based on this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> leave us whatever you want. Thank you to our Carrie Level producers, Sissy, Riley Harrell, Carrie Kissinger, Brenna Collins, Amanda Borgia, Elizabeth Jamka, and Susie Southwick. Thanks for Thanks listening. For listening. Bye. Bye.